So kicking this podcast off today, I wanted to ask you about Heinbach on YouTube. Have you seen this guy? Uh, I think you sent me some of his videos, right? Yeah, so he is a German audio engineer, composer, extraordinaire, and he is uh, quite the character. But basically, he has just tons of analog gear, tape machines, synthesizers. And he did a studio tour this past week. And so I watched that. And I mean, like, the dude just has stuff everywhere. And so he had his wife filming him just like showing all of his toys off. And oh, those yeah. are those are my kind of videos. I love that stuff. So one of the things that he talked about was having an islands concept in his studio or in his office. Mm-hmm. And so you have like various islands or like sections of music making so you would go over to this corner and you would make music with italian synths like this is these kind of sounds you know or you go over here and this is your euro rack island and you go over here and this is your acoustic instruments island and everything's patched in and ready to go for the most part but the idea of actually moving physical locations to make different music i really liked that and so i've i've been starting to make little islands in my room. Uh, so nice. I have I have a drum set over here. And then back behind me, I'm going to have the pedal board and like the Novation circuit and several music making devices on the floor. So I'll just go like walk over there and sit on the floor with my guitar or within a, with an instrument with a pickup, make some music from there and just kind of see what happens. Like that's really great for ambiences or anything that you just need a lot of sound content. And then on this side, I have like a bunch of acoustic instruments, like a banjo and a dulcimer, things like that. That's cool. So your studio kind of has a similar thing. I mean, you you like to be able to have things at an arm's length, right? But yeah, you, except you for have, the guitars, I have to. <laughs> you, have my, to you have to get up for that. I got to use my Jedi mind tricks to nice. Pull those so, over there. but you have like the Kemper on one side, right? And you can yeah. dial that in, and you have uh, some synths on the other side. Uh, well, actually, um, I don't have any hardware synths or anything. I, I wish. Um, you have like a MIDI, MIDI controllers. controllers. Yeah. yeah, like for the most part. I act, Well, I had um, an 88 key Korg Triton, mm-hmm. but I just ended up taking it out because I don't really use it that much. I mean, You're the trying cool thing to sound is, like uh, early 2000s rap. Yeah. Come on. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> Or what's that thing like from the office where he pushes the key? He pushes the key. He's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." Get one of those. But um, yeah, I got like uh the main. This is like the main one, the the S sixty one from Native Instruments. I just semi weighted keys. It's like I use this for all of my programming in MIDI. Uh-huh. And then I got the machine over here. I got the Rolly C block. Okay, uh, the nice. C block's really cool. Uh, I don't use it um as much, but whenever I just want to like kind of take my mind away from just doing something else or if i want to more program percussion in like with my fingers i'll use the machine so th- that's like the the heart of most of my like midi stuff most of it's pretty much just in the box using virtual instruments but yeah having the kemper here you know that just makes it really easy because it's just kind of like eye level i used to have it down here in my rack but yeah that was a little kind of bring my head down to like see it right so having it there i mean the guitars on the wall it's kind of i've always wanted to be able to like have guitars hanging and, and not having to like dig in through cases. So it, it does make it easy. Like I, it's funny because this side is like all like mostly like the electric guitars. I have some in a rack over here. Okay. But then I got like, like other acoustic instruments behind me 
so it's kind of like divided by like electric guitars acoustic guitars so i guess that's like this is like metal island over here and then i got like <laughs> acoustic go. island over here i love that but yeah the acoustic guitars are over here next to this futon so if i just want to sit and just play or like work on some ideas or record or something i can do that but uh, for the most part that's pretty much it i mean this room's not too too big so it's i try to keep everything sort of like what do I use the most with the guitars? Mm -hmm. I mean, I could just, if, if I'm not using them all the time, like they're just still out of the way. So that helps, but that sounds cool. I remember uh, a long time ago when you were telling me you were going to move, you wanted to have this kind of like cool, like musical playground where you could just like, exactly. kind of like have all your stuff laid out. And I was like, that's cool. Yeah. I definitely want to have stuff grabbable so that I can just, Oh, I want to play mandolin on this. And it's mm -hmm. like, you don't have to think about it too long. You can just kind of grab it and start playing. Um, so Heinbach also talked about a concept called burying the high, which I really liked as well. So Adam Neely posted a video about how isolating and lonely being a YouTuber is and like, you know, with the COVID pandemic and all that over the mm -hmm. past few years have been especially isolating and lonely and how your big events are posting these videos and then it's over like this, some, this, this video you've worked on for weeks and weeks or months and months is now posted and you hope it does well. And you, you've birthed the baby, so to speak, but mm -hmm. it's like now it's over and now what? And you have that crash afterward. And yeah. so he talked about just basically he was asking for advice a little bit and like saying with the lack of collaboration that YouTube brings most of the time, how do you celebrate your wins or your, your big events or accomplishments and so yeah. Heinbach posted a video in response to that called bury the high and he said that one of the things he likes to do is try to celebrate the the big win or like basically go out you know to eat with your family or your friends or the people you worked on the project with and take like a full night or a full day to celebrate that win and like kind of let that over like wash over you and actually mm -hmm. attend the funeral of that high like bury bury that high of the event and like have your celebration have your funeral and then the next day the next week you can move on and you can go to the next thing and your crash that comes with you know something being over uh can can be a little bit easier and so I really like that concept because, you know, when you do a concert or you're, you're working towards something really big and then it's over, you know, that you're, you're, you're sitting there at a diner or whatever afterward yeah. and you're just kind of like reflecting on it and you're like, now what? Yeah. What now? And I know you're gearing up for some, some concerts this year. Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple lined up and it's funny you bring that up because I've always heard from people who do like touring and stuff, how... Mm -hmm. You know, when they're on the road, it's like it's a completely different life. You know, you're just going from city to city. You're seeing all this different stuff. You're like constantly sort of seeing just the road, you know, yeah, just being yeah. away and kind of like living. a. It's a it's a life that I don't think a lot of normal people can ever like relate to. You can tell people like, oh, you know, like I, I travel or, you know, people that just travel and go sightseeing. But it, it's like you're living this kind of gypsy life. It's a blur. And it starts to be a blur. Yeah, exactly. Like every city looks the same. You see the same street names everywhere you go. And you're just like, this kind of looks like this place. Like I've right. been on, you know, on tour and seem like this looks like Riverside or like this looks like, <laughs> you know, places that I grew up around or that sort of thing. But then when they get home, 
they just go into this like depression, you know, this mm-hmm. like post tour depression sort of thing. And yeah, it's crazy. Cause I think it's just like, what do I do now? Or you feel like you're like constantly sort of like, like, I think for some people it's like, maybe if they're like attention seekers or they just like enjoy like kind of performing or being in front of people. And then you come back and it's just like, now what? Yeah. Just kind of like depressed, like, man, like you're not living that like constant, constant go, 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 go. Especially if you're one of those people that need to stay busy. Yes. But yeah. I'm, I mean, playing shows is cool. Like, I mean, it, most of the like anticipation is the, is the buildup. Like right now, like we've been rehearsing and, you know, getting together, we got together a couple of times for rehearsing for these shows. And it's been really cool just to like get out and jam again. Like just being in a room with three other dudes and just like, all right, shredding yeah let's just let's try to make this stuff sound good and most of the time there's like there's like way more build up it's it's like working on an album and then you finally drop it you're like all right it's out there now like, okay yeah. like we did yeah. it we so breathe yeah so like for me it's more or less like i'll i'll be able to celebrate once we like all right we're out of here you know like <laughs> hopefully we did a good job that's always the goal and then after that then it's like yeah, because we ha- we have that one, and then we have another one that's a bigger one, and it's also in France. So oh, this will wow. be like a nice sort of kind of pre live. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, it's it's like not a practice, but it's a practice for <laughs> yeah. you know, because yeah, I I haven't played in so long, so it's definitely uh it's nothing I haven't done, but you know when you've haven't done it in a while, it's easy to kind of get a little nervous, but it's all get good. Just got to do it. Yeah. But yeah, I really liked his concept of bearing the high and just taking uh, taking some time to reflect on the win and getting to the top of the mountain and looking around and celebrating the whatever event it was and then moving on. And, you know, when you wake up the next morning, he, he was talking about waking up with a hangover, you know, like it's worth <laughs> it because I can just start the next project and we can be done with the previous project. I don't have to care how that video did. I don't have to care how that composition went or whatever. It's mm-hmm. it's on to the next thing. Yeah, that's cool. That's a that's a good way to approach it. I mean, because it's like I think for most people, just the the saying, you know, like like what we talked about the shipping thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like that to me is like once you like put it out there into the world, it's like all right, cool, I did it. You yeah, know? and that yeah. you know is usually like a motivator to to keep doing stuff. You know, unless you're just getting burnt out. But yeah, people should always definitely like celebrate their wins, whether how big or small they are is like because it, it's like a little motivation for you to just kind of keep going like hey like don't beat yourself up you did it yeah now keep doing you accomplished it. something you did it kid so, so speaking of accomplishing something Hans Zimmer has assembled the musical Avengers oh yeah and he's everywhere <laughs> he is yeah. he's everywhere with this Dune score right now so he was on the big picture podcast I don't know if you listen to that podcast but they had him on he came on to do an interview and then he was also interviewed by Vanity Fair at mm-hmm. a recording studio it looks like and he had a bunch of his guest musicians pop in there but the making of the Dune score was entirely synthesized and created a lot of new instruments or like recreated sounds all except for the human voice so he kept Mm -hmm. the female voice as a big part but the people he had coming in like tina go he was like all right can you play your cello like a tibetan war horn horn? yeah yeah and so she was playing really intensely and then he was taking her cello recordings and putting them through all kinds of convolution chambers and weird stuff to make it sound like this epic interplanet war horn. Mm-hmm. He talked about, I think his name was Pedro. Uh, I should know his last name, but the, 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 the flautist. 
Yeah, he's a wind player, and he was making stuff out of PVC pipes. Yeah, that that's always cool. Like when when you hear stuff like that, where you know, and that, that's one of the things I can always appreciate about Hans Zimmer. I mean, that guy's done so much, but his wanting to sort of reimagine things. Like he mentioned how reading the the Dune book when he was a kid, you know, not really seeing the movies or listening to the score. Or, you know, there was I think he said there was a TV series and talking about how a lot of sci-fi movies were very like traditional orchestral you know and it's like well when you think about space in the future using these like more traditional orchestral setups it's kind of it's interesting i mean it works you know for for star wars when you see that but when you think about this world and like what it would sound like like, would it really sound orchestral Mm -hmm. and i've always liked his approach and how it's like kind of seeing things outside of the box like i think it's very easy for people to want to go towards that oh like this very big orchestral cinematic sound or something yeah but it's like does it sound like that (laughs) and i like the thing like when he talks about using female vocals like that's something that will stand the test of time you Mm -hmm. know instrumentation like what if ten thousand years from now like our instruments all gonna are they still gonna be around sure you know what if everything just resets and it's like new instruments form or completely reimagined because they didn't know what was back then or, you know, if everything was gone and people started over, like, would they make guitars like guitars now or would they do it differently? Yeah, I would still be blasting the Gladiator score. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was really interesting. And uh, I, I like hearing that kind of artistic approach with stuff because, I mean, I, I would think for anyone who does film scoring, especially all the time, like, yeah, everyone's got a template, but it's like, you probably are like, man, I want to do something different. Like, especially when you have certain sounds that are very like commercially accessible to everyone. Like, like, Hey, what if we like approached it like this or made it, made our own instruments or, or using instruments in a different way than the way that they're normally used. Yeah. I, I think that's really interesting. Everyone was working from their own virtual, you know, location. They, they were all working remotely through the yeah. pandemic while they were doing mm-hmm. this score. So that was kind of funny too, why I said assembling the Avengers, because he's like bringing these players together who he has played with and performed with many times. Mm-hmm. And he he calls it his band, but it's like yeah. kind of a, a an odd group of bandmates. Yeah. Cause a lot of these guys that he uses, he, you know, he takes out on the road to perform his, his soundtracks and right. like, uh, like I thought it was really interesting too. Cause, um, he has Guthrie Govan, who's an amazing guitar player, yep. and he was having him play these sort of like bagpipe-like things on yeah. the guitar. He's like, yeah, he's like, most people would probably think it's bagpipes, but it's actually my guitarist. <laughs> right. It's a horrible Hans Zimmer impression. <laughs> I like to play in D, but uh, mm. yeah, you know, um, it's just really cool, and I like that. Where it's, what would this sound like on this instrument? Because you play it differently or, you know, so, like if you grab a guitar and you're like, play it like a sitar, you know, it's going to have that sound where it's like you get it. Like maybe notes wise, it's very like a sitar like, mm-hmm. but it's not going to sound like a sitar. It's going to sound like this. So I, I think that's really cool. And yeah, just like the overall artistic approach, I think was was really interesting. And it's always kind of inspiring to hear stuff like that. And the score turned out really, really nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. I started watching the movie. I need to finish it. I started it at the wrong time. I started it when I was like. <laughs> sort of tired and it's very like you know a lot of just like open landscape and like very slow you know like especially at first it's not like a crazy action thing or something it's very mood setting so i was just like i can't watch this right now i'm too tired 
but it's 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 cool so far. Yeah, definitely got to finish it. Faux show. So I wanted to talk to you about video game music for a second. You are putting out a sound iron session talking about a cue based on Resident Evil 7, right? Yeah. I think by the time this comes out, the video will be out. Sick. But yeah, like obviously anyone who's seen my compositions know I'm I'm a, a big fan of the, the horror genre. And this game, I, you know, I played it way back when it came out and... Remember, when did it come out? Like 2017, 2018? Yeah, I want to say something like that. Like 2016, okay. 2017, maybe some, somewhere around there. But yeah, playing the game, it's like, I mean, I, I remember playing the first Resident Evil, you know, on PlayStation when I was a kid. Yeah, it's like it's like, you know, when you watch a movie, you're like, All right, I'm trying to the lights. I'm going to like <laughs> immerse myself into this thing. And I remember just like going through the hallways because you'd walk into a door and then you'd hear like. <laughs> And you're like, oh, God. And then they just like grab on you and just you're like, oh, God. And you're like freaking out. <laughs> this game is like that, like scare by like a thousand. To you know? the max. It, yeah. Just crank yeah. the dial to full blast. Yeah. Because you'll be like walking through and then like this girl come out and she starts stabbing your hand and you see like your hand, like you're trying to block this knife and you're just like, oh, my God. Like it's so like immersive and, and just like in you feel like you're there. And yeah. it's yeah, in the music. Terrifying. Yeah. I really like because the. The approach that they did, and I talk about this in the videos, the whole like music concrete style. Mm-hmm. And I remember first hearing about that, listening to an interview by Chris Velasco, who's one of the composers on it. And I was like, music concrete? Oh, I never really heard of that. But yeah, yeah, they record a bunch of different effects and sounds, and they they made this contact instrument that they can control and and use it in a more sort of intuitive musical way. And I thought that was really interesting how they just kind of like took all these sounds and gave them, they gave this to like a few different composers who worked on the game. And so it's like, all right, you guys all have the same palette of sounds and instruments. So it's going to sound cohesive, but everyone's going to kind of do it in their own way. And it's just, it's just a really cool score. It's a lot of uh, like atonal and very eerie kind of sounds. And when I was working on the strut grand demo, I remember telling you, I was like, I think I want to do something in kind of that resident evil sound style because some of those sounds like just, sort of triggered that memory for me and i thought it'd be a, a a fun sort of project to do so yeah it'll be available now on, on our youtube channel if you want to check that out i break down the whole track show the different instruments that i use and how i sort of crafted the sound of course it's not going to be you know exactly like resident evil that was kind of like my inspired version like if someone was to say hey you know you want to work on this thing like this is probably what i would have tried to do or you know yeah. that sort of thing so no copyright infringements no copyright infringement. Yes. But we were watching a video of making the sounds that they did in the game. And a lot of it was binaural. Like they had the the ears, you know, ASMR, mm-hmm. except opposite, except horror ASMR. Uh, so they had, <laughs> you know, they were like rubbing a bass drum and they were moving the ears around, like spinning the ears. And you can just imagine if you're wearing headphones while you're playing this game, you have this constant just vertigo of chaos going on inside the space. Yeah, because you think about it, it's like that's probably how you would feel if you were in this world, just like constantly, like every little sound would probably like freak you out. You hear like creaking in a house, like because one of the things they also talk about other than the music is like a lot of the natural ambience sounds that they used yep. to really make you feel like you're in that environment. And that is that plays a huge role, especially for anyone who does, you know, audio for movies. So a while back, one of the indie studios I did with Derek Vanderhorst, he was talking about how he did 
you know, all the sound and stuff for movies, which is like, that's a really great episode for anyone who maybe is into audio production and, and mixing for, for movies. Cause it's not really composer based. Like he talks mm-hmm. about how he layers the music, but it's really interesting how there's so many tracks of like cricket sounds and then like natural wind and then like metal clanking, like all these like Foley sounds that they use to, to make you feel like you're there. Cause everything that you hear, it's like watching a movie where they're in a club. Yep. You know, there's no music playing. It's literally just quiet. And they're just like, what? I can't hear you, you know? (laughs) And then they just, they put all the sounds of people talking and partying and music and people drinks hitting the table, you know, like all that stuff. It's, it's really interesting how how they do all that stuff. Yeah. And and they made an importance to really craft that for this game too. And like, yeah, just everything about it. It's just like, if you like playing scary games, that's, that's, that's one to play. I haven't played any of the newer ones. That's probably the last one that I've played. How many are there? uh shoot I, I think they came out with a couple other ones there i think they did one of the more recent ones i saw was like like resident evil the village or, or village okay. or something like that i know they've also i think done some remakes of some of the older ones too that's the dead space series was was that for me where i was listening yeah. you know playing with headphones on and just being terrified while i was playing but you can't stop playing because you're like i have to survive but in real life i would just go ahead and die i would just give up <laughs> Yeah, like I'm just gonna jump out of this spaceship. It's so funny because like Jason Graves, like we've had him on the podcast. He was one of the first first or second people I started interviewing on the podcast. And he's just like the nicest guy. Totally. And you're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you making all these like <laughs> you have a terrifying sound? Yeah, like like what's going on in that head, man? Cause like you're not a scary guy at all. I mean, his last name is Graves. And on the Until Dawn soundtrack, that's the one that he another score that he did that i really like is horror based as well and he was like because he was saying how like i don't know you know i'm not really like you know i'm not like a scary guy but i think i just get hired maybe because like for these games because my last name is graves you know <laughs> right but uh yeah it's, it's just it's it's funny imagine some like crazed maniac who's like just sitting in this dungeon just making all these scary sounds but he's yeah He's a family but, man. He has a YouTube yeah. channel and he shows like some breakdowns of the Dead Space music, mm-hmm. kind of like recording cellos and detuning and making contact groups and stuff. So you should check that out if you haven't already. But he seems like not someone who would play the games. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe playing, but like, yeah, when you see the like, making the music, it's it's very interesting because you're like, man, like I would not think you would make this. But that's yeah. cool though. But a similar game that I'm always trying to get you to play is Bioshock. Yeah. So they used a ton of sound effects and Foley and the composer, Gary Scheiman, uh, is a professor at USC. And he, I believe he won a BAFTA for the Bioshock soundtrack, but it opens the game with somewhere beyond the sea, like the jazz tune. And then it just like slowly morphs into this like, horror escape and it's mm. like it like goes with the cutscene that you're that you're playing as the the opening of the game and you don't really know what's going on but it's the most immersive soundtrack of all time for me like it just sucks yeah. you right in and you can't stop playing the game oh wow yeah it, i don't play video games as much as i would like these days i think i have this thing that like makes me feel bad for playing video games i feel like like should i be like doing something something else should be working on some music or, or, or practicing or something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think the last game that I started playing while well, I was playing final fantasy seven remake, cause I'm a huge final fantasy nerd. <laughs> and nice. I started playing, it was this game called evil within. Okay. And that game is wild, man. Like 
I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's it's a trip. Like it's one of those games that it's kind of it's almost like this like acid trip or something, like this horror acid trip where like you're going into this room and then everything changes and then there's like these like crazy monsters that come out. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's it's wild. It's a really cool game. It's I've never really played anything like that. Okay. Yeah, it, it screws with you because you're like, what's going on? Like you go into this room and then everything just like changes and it, yeah, it's wild. Dark acid dream. I don't know. Sounds intense. Yeah, it's really cool. So the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is Christian Henson's YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. He posted a video on how not to give up. And he was talking about specifically as like a film and game composer. And he said the biggest way to not give up is just to keep going and pushing through and you can take breaks. So like the three things I wrote down were pivots, diversification, and a hiatus. And he said, like, just because you take a hiatus from creating music doesn't mean that you lost or that it's over forever. Mm -hmm. So you can take breaks. You can go make a bunch of money and save your save your pennies, so to speak, and you can come back to it. And as long as people know that you're still doing music, like, eventually the phone will ring again. Yeah. And diversification was the biggest one for me because he was talking about learning other skills. Like, you should know how to market. You should know how to sell. You should know how to code a website or how to make yourself valuable to other people. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can diversify your interests and diversify your skill set, the better off you're going to be in an industry that is like shrinking. And then pivoting, he was talking about pivoting to slightly different topics or slightly different interests, like going from composing for VR to making ambiences for a sample company. That would be a pivot. And he talked about how he, he used to be composing primarily for TV and for movies. And then mm -hmm. he pivoted to Spitfire. Like Spitfire was a pivot and it was a very successful pivot, obviously. But the more that you can pivot and shift what your focus is on, you can pick up new skills and you can learn and then you can apply those things to making a more holistic person. Or a holistic career yeah oh that yeah that's very important and i i think it keeps you on your toes when you're not just doing one thing because i think when you put all your eggs in one basket and things aren't moving quite the way that you want it's very easy to just almost want to like stop or give up and yeah and he he was saying like the road to success is littered with people who give up you get knocked down 10 times you get up 11 is the idea you know yeah it, like there's yeah, there's nothing wrong with doing something for a long time, you know, especially like, you know, and I, I think I kind of developed a thick skin for this kind of thing just from, you know, growing up and playing in bands like the first band I was in didn't get signed. Like, should I have stopped? Like, oh, I guess it doesn't work out. You know, <laughs> yeah. from there, I, from there, like my pivot was learning how to play drums. I was like, well, if I'm not going to have a band, well, I need to learn how to play drums so I can make my own music. Nice. Later on, I discovered that you can program drums. And I was like, okay, well, this is a lot easier. But, it, you know, the cool thing is I spent a lot of time actually trying to learn how to play drums. I could apply that to programming drums. Mm -hmm. you know, and then it helps you can, with rhythm for sure. Yeah. Like it's just, and it's just another skill. Like you're learning that thing. So, you know, when you have a band again or something, you can communicate these ideas way easier. You're not just saying, hey, can you go, you know, it's like, I don't know what that means. I don't know, you know. So just because one thing, maybe doesn't work out 
like use that as an opportunity for maybe learning some new skills or or doing something, you know, because most of the time, any successful people you talk to, like, you know, this wasn't an overnight thing. Like maybe for some people it is, but there's, but a lot of people don't see the behind the scenes. Yeah. People's, you know, a lot overnight, of times, people's overnight success took 10 years. Yeah. Like most people just, you know, you just see people posting their wins all the time and you're like, man, like they got it so easy. I wish I, you know, and it's like, well, you're not seeing the hours and hours of time that they're going and working on the stuff, you know, like Christian Hansen's one of those guys, he, you know, he's, he's a human workhorse. He's just always he's doing stuff. And yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's something to, to, you know, to take inspiration from. It's like, you know, it's, he's like, I, I like one thing I've heard from him say where he was like, you know, there might be people out there that are more skilled than me when it comes to, you know, technical skill, but they're not going to outwork me. And I'm <laughs> like, that's, that's, you know that's another another way to approach it you know especially like it, it's not like to have this thing of like i'm gonna you know to be mad about it or like no you know but it's like that's one thing that you can control like how much time that you dedicate to your craft like that's yeah. something that like just because someone else is good maybe really let's say amazing on piano it's like all right well i'm not really trying to do that like yeah that's cool but you know maybe your your goal is a different thing like don't always just see because someone is like super successful or skilled in one thing that you know you shouldn't even try or maybe that's not your thing you know like gary v talks about focus on your on your strengths and stuff like that like that's things to also like not to say that you shouldn't work on things that need work but you know if you're not adele and you can't sing like adele like <laughs> well what's your thing you know there's already an adele you know, you know kind of thing like that like there's no point in trying to like completely copy someone else plus you're just going to get lost in in the fog so lost in the noise yeah and if you're banging your head against the wall there's a good chance that you should find something else to do for a while like if you're trying to be an opera singer during covid like there's not a lot of opera happening so you should probably have a pivot in that mm -hmm. moment you know and you should go explore how to market or how to learn a different skill yeah what, what let me ask you what do you think is like your like a pivot that you made that was like a pretty pretty big one that sort of like changed the direct you know your trajectory of, of your sort of you know your career you know or your life i would say the biggest pivot was learning what i don't like and so doing several tv and film gigs orchestration behind the scenes work that involve creative process but are not composing mm -hmm. and then composing for people who i didn't have a good relationship with and not understanding the relationship pragmatist side of the business and and uh, thinking that film composing was like this glorious art form where you create something holy and you hand it to them and you say now go and use this mm -hmm. and i would say my big pivot was pivoting from freelance music composing to finding a, a job with sound iron mm -hmm. that definitely flows better with my skill set it's yeah. a much more technical much more entrepreneurial autonomous job and the person i report to is a complete expert in their field mm -hmm. and they understand what i'm doing and what i should be doing Whereas a lot of the times when you're working with a director, they don't understand music at all. And they can just barely tell you that they don't like what you're doing. And yeah. the the direct communication that you miss out on if you're working on a Craigslist gig is huge. So I've done some gigs that were really fun. And I've done 
several more gigs that were not fun at all for me. And so pivoting from just taking any, like saying yes to any music composing gig that came my way, Mm -hmm. pivoting from that to only occasionally composing music for a client and typically just composing music for either sound iron or for my own love of the game has been a huge win for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. There's beauty in, like you said, finding what you don't like to do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people learn this the hard way when they go to college. And Mm -hmm. I'm not one of those people that's going to tell you don't go to college. Uh, For me, I I always felt like the like school structure didn't really work too well for me. You know, like when I was in school, I did pretty poorly because I just didn't pay attention. I just I wasn't interesting to me. I wanted to go home and play guitar like guitar band A plus every time. (laughs) Right. You know, math trash. But it's (laughs) like, you know, but I knew like it's funny. It wasn't until I got out of school to where I, I really started exploring more of like the things that like I was into. Like I hated PE, but then I started getting into working out Yeah. and like, not like bodybuilding, but like, you know, trying to approach it in, in a more serious way and sculpting. Yeah. <laughs> I get the sculpting, but, um, I would, you know, try to apply what the way I structured practicing guitar and, and using sort of like, okay, like, cause a great way to start building a, a new skill set is to use your approach for things that you've been successful at. So, right. uh, you know, I would map out all my practicing and stuff and then I would try to apply that to this. And, but yeah, like finding the things you don't like is in, all right, like that's a win. Or if, if you try something and, it, you know, and you learn like what not to do, that's also a win in itself. Exactly. Um, and you know how people make priority lists of like, okay, I want to spend my time this way. If you flip that on its head and make an anti-list of things you don't want to be spending your time doing, Mm-hmm. One of them for me was working in Finale or any sort of notation software. Like if oh, it, yeah. if that's the job, I don't want it. Yeah, I, I would be horrible because I'm trash when it comes to like reading notation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like any time I've ever tried to, you know, like maybe I should learn this because you know you was, it almost sounds like this kind of like oh you can't read music. Like I'm a guitar tablature, yeah, but it's like it I, sometimes for some people it almost sounds like a it's like a you hang your head in shame like yeah, I can't. You know, but that doesn't necessarily mean you can't make music. Like it's just like everyone does it in their own way. There's plenty of amazing musicians who wrote music that don't know what they're doing. Yeah, like, just because I you just, can't notate it on a piece of paper. Yeah, or explain it like, oh, so you know, because I've had guitar students who would like ask me about music, like, oh, like what what key or what were you thinking about this? Like I don't know, just <laughs> right. I move my hands around until I settle on something and and make it happen. But I, I, like for me, I think a, a big pivot was because at one point I wanted to tour and, and make that my thing, you know, just yeah. making music and, and traveling and playing live. And it's not until I did it that I was like, I don't really like this that much. Well, there are so many parts mm-hmm. to it that aren't actually playing the music, right? Yeah. Like there's 30 minutes where <laughs> you are set up, you play, and then there's another, you know, 23 and a half hours of just like standing around or sitting or driving, or maybe you're not making a lot of money. That's the other thing. I mean, if like, it's, it's very tough. So yes. like, I, I felt very kind of like, man, like, did I just like fail at this thing? Like, did it just not work out? You know, but like when I quit, I was just kind of like, I need to like, this isn't really for me, mm-hmm. but you know, from then on, I made that pivot into doing more like home studio stuff because the band I was in, the, the main guy was like, Hey, you know, I need you to, you know, be able to start recording DIs because he had like uh, tendonitis issues. Oh, okay. And I'm like, well, I don't like I've done like home 
production stuff before like but it's like little just kind of bs pre-production but that made me like all right i'll get a computer i'll get an interface you know start learning how to do that kind of thing but then from there i just fell in love with it and it just yeah. kind of like all my free time went to just learning because you you start like all right i just want to learn how to record a, a di track and then you're like oh i want to like try to get good tones oh i want to <laughs> learn how to like mix a kick drum oh i want to like try to learn how to like mix and master Oh, want to you know just because you just want to make your stuff sound good you know it's like it's like a natural evolution of like you start doing something like oh what if what if i could try to like make it sound like this or yeah your ear has better taste than your actual skills yeah and, and it's just you know and you listen back to old mixes you're like oh my god what was wrong with me but you know mm -hmm. you it you know by making that change like i don't know if i ever would have started you know doing this you know and, and my my girlfriend is a, a big factor in that too. Cause she was always very supportive and very just like, you know, cause you know, like, you know, sometimes you're like, I don't know, like I kind of want to try doing this thing, but mm, you know, it's like, sure. you should, you should do it, you know, very motivating and, and push, you know, pushing me to, to doing stuff as well. So I'm, I'm always very grateful to her and shout out to Craig's girlfriend, shout out, you know, you got to have a support system. And um, yeah. So I think a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, but you were touring and doing this. Like, why, why wouldn't you want to do that? Why would you quit? You know, because we had the chance to do a couple, you know, pretty good tours, but it's just, I just, it's not what I want to do. Like, I like being home. I like working on music. You know, mm -hmm. like I can do, I can work on music whenever I want. I don't need five guys sitting in here being like, well, let's do this. You know, like, like you don't have do to drive, you don't have to drive to Ohio. In order yeah. To and like load up gear and doing all this, you know? So, I mean, it, it's cool. I mean, like with the shows we're doing, like, that's cool. That's like, it, it's, it's fun to do that. Like later on, cause mm -hmm. it's like, it's like a nice break, you know, almost like a hiatus from touring and and playing live it's not like i'll never do it again it's just like i'm going on a, a different path for sure and that sort of i guess failure kind of turned into something that changed my life you know like i'd never i probably wouldn't have been here if i was still trying to pursue that i'd probably be on sleeping on some dude's floor in wisconsin <laughs> like all right really we're gonna play in like a couple hours you know like but i i wouldn't change it i love it Love it, dude. Well, do you have any recommendations for this week? I can go first. On yeah, go. Uh, We're talking any YouTube videos, podcasts, TV, movies, anything that we have enjoyed in the last week. For me, I just started watching Abbott Elementary on Hulu, and it is a show about a Philadelphia elementary school, and it's it's focused on the teachers, and it's basically like a very poverty-stricken sector and they're just trying to grind it out and make ends meet and it's it's the office but in an elementary school so it's it does all like the on-camera interviews and back talking and all kinds mm -hmm. of like jump cuts and stuff uh very <laughs> very funny and really really cleverly written that would be one and then i would say go subscribe to jason graves youtube channel if you're a composer because he's putting gold out there yeah, that would be my recommendation. If you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, you should. Because uh, it, it's funny, when I first got to do the podcast with him, he was just on the brink of announcing it. I remember he was teasing it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, I want to do this YouTube channel. And, you know, he was talking about some of the ideas that he wanted to do. And, you know, I was like, well, I can't wait to see it. So, you know, since then it's been out and he's just been putting out tons of killer content. And, you know, just really doesn't hold back any sort of information like like yeah, he literally out gave the, the out sauce yeah like my metagrid like using that was a huge inspiration from him yeah you know i would also recommend metagrid for anyone who 
doesn't know what that is, they actually just came out with a new Metagrid Pro. Uh, I haven't really had a chance to explore it too, too much, but it's a game changer, man. Like it's kind of like the iPad version of like Stream Deck. Right. But way, there's just like some, like you can do multiple pages. You can have all kinds of key commands. You can have it change with different applications you have open. So if I click on Cubase, like the Cubase one will load up. If I am doing video editing and I select DaVinci, DaVinci key commands will show up. So it's very like it works like side by side. But yeah, he gave away his entire Metagrid. Like if you go to his Patreon, it's like you sign up for a dollar and you can get all kinds of cool extra stuff, project files and like Metagrid files of, you know, all his setup. And like, I just like watched his video to learn about it and kind of like modified it to fit my own workflow. But man, like, you know, you talk about the secret sauce and just giving it away. He's just like, just goes to show, you know, what an awesome guy he is that he is just like, Hey, you know, I did all the hard work for you, you know, just <laughs> go give him a subscribe, you know, subscribe to his channel. It's the least you can do. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, we will be having a guest on next week to talk about Spotify cheat codes. Very exciting. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you should subscribe to our YouTube channel and check yes. out Craig's Sound Iron Session on Resident Evil 7 Inspired Cues. And you should subscribe to our podcast because we are going to keep rolling these things out. Yep. Subscribe. Leave us a review. It helps us out. You know, if you're on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Hit the subscribe button. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. Anyone can do it. It's the least you could do, as Craig said. Yeah. yeah. Come on. <laughs> what are you waiting for? Just press it. Ready. Yeah. All right, Craig. I will catch you next week, my man. All right. Till Peace. next time.